Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. More friends in the house. So when I started thinking about this, I started asking myself a lot of questions. Y'all know how I am. I like to ask questions. Right? So the first question was, what do I classify as a good friend? What, what does that look like? All right? Is it a person that is a good listener? Potentially. Right? Is it a person that can, you can always rely on? Is it a person that you can trust? Okay. All right. Is it a person that doesn't matter what you have done, they will always step in to help? Is it a person that doesn't judge you? Yeah. All right. These are all good characteristics. Absolutely. But then the question came to me is, is that if Jesus is our friend, what does he classify as a good friend? So now it didn't matter to me what my attributes were. It didn't matter what I thought. What does Jesus think a good friend is? Because he's referring to us as being his friend, right? So the question now is, is that if he's our friend, then that means we should be friends to each other. So with that being said, God asked me, why does it seem like it's so hard to make friends sometimes in the church? I mean, genuine friends. Now, we can come in and go out, right? Right? And I'm not saying everybody has to be a friend. That's not what I'm trying to get at. I'm talking about spiritually connected. We've been talking about unity, unifying, being one in the spirit, thinking as one as Christ. I find it hard to believe that you can do all of that, but there's no friends. Right? So I thought about when I was back in the world. You could have friends, right? Some of them were good, right? I didn't say you were living good. I said they were good. (laughs) They were good for where you were at that time, right? The term that used to, (laughs) back when I was in college that was going around a lot, at least up north it was, is that when you had a really good friend, they were your ride or die person, right? And as my wife said, well, I got to die, but, you know, I mean... (laughs) I mean, she worried about dying. I mean, I guess that's important, right? But the adage was is that that person, no matter what happened, that's the person you knew. Uh, Look, I need you right now. No matter the time, no matter where they were, if they were out of town, they come back. They were your ride or die. And God asked me, well, who's your ride or die in the spirit? Now, this was a personal question because he asked me, who are you befriending? So when you start thinking about this friend, I wanted to go a little deeper about, well, God, what is a friend? What is a friend? So, all right, so so let's look at some stuff here. So so we're going to do a little Greek to this morning, right? There are two words in the New Testament for friend. One is heteros, which is the first word, which means comrade, fellow, or friend. Now, when I first saw this, I was like, okay, a comrade, yeah. All right, that sounds okay. 
But when I dug into it a little deeper, I had to put it in context. It says a, com a comrade is someone that is around the same space or is a part of the same organization. So that's like me saying that when I go to work, my team is my comrades. Well, yeah, I know them. They're, they're a friend. They're not necessarily an enemy, but I'm not intimate with them. I don't have a connection with them. All right. The other one is Philos, which is a friend. But what really got me here is, is this part. Actively fond. Which means this should be proceeding out of you at all times for a true friend. This is somebody you actively love all the time. So when you start looking at this, if you go over to Matthew 26 and 50, right? It says, but Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? They have, and then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. So this is back when Judas betrayed him. And when Judas walked up, he told the people that he was with, he said, the person I kiss, that's the one we need to arrest. So the friend in that reference is that first one, comrade. Well, he's the person that betrayed Jesus. So surely he can't be the same friend that we just read about in John 15. He's not. It's a totally different kind of context to that word friend, because that's what he calls him. He's just a comrade, somebody around. All right. The other one is, is that we're going to go actually to the Old Testament. In Job 42 and 10, it says the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Now, we all know that scripture. Right. In the Hebrew word for that is Raha. Raha. That friend in the Old Testament. It's equivalent to. Philos. It's the same word. Right. So why is this important? Because when we think about Job, he went through all of that stuff. Right. Lost his family, his wife. He got sick. All of his stuff, his land, his animals, his wealth. He lost everything. Right. He had a couple friends that then came to him over several chapters. A whole lot of them. Right. Basically talking to him like, what, what, what are you doing, man? Why are you going through all of this for, for God? Why are you doing this now? When we get to 42. What we got to see here is, is that the friends are referenced to Job and his relationship to them, not their relationship back to him. Because when it reads, it says the Lord approached his friends and said, you need to make a sacrifice and go to my servant, Job. Because you have not spoken well of me, whereas my servant has. And then it says when Job prayed for his friends. So God is saying sometimes it may not be reciprocal. Job loved them anyway. They, the word does not say they loved him at that time. They, so we can't use that as, well, God, well, they don't like me either. No. That's not what it's about. Because we, we're, God is calling us to go higher. He doesn't love on that level. Because if he didn't, he wouldn't love me. Right? So we got to understand when we read this, it said he got restored when he prayed for those folks that didn't even classify him as their friend. 
but he called them friends. And because of that, God blessed him with double. So sometimes we're looking for double in our lives, but then we got to make a friend out of somebody that may not call us friend back. Friends. So when I started digging into this more, God said there are certain things, there are certain expressions that friends will do. Because he references friends a lot. I didn't realize how much he did. That means it's important. This is not a one word that just shows up one time in scripture. There are friends all over the Bible. But you do have to keep it in context, right? All right, so we're going to dig into the four expressions of a godly friend this morning. All right. All right. So the first one, we're going to go over to Proverbs 27 and 6. So it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So the first expression for a godly friend is, is that should say what needs to be said in love. Now, what was interesting about this scripture is, is that even though God is talking about a friend, he talks about an enemy in the same one. <laughs> so basically what he's saying is you need to watch out for both. But more importantly, we have to it's our job to discern which ones are which. Now, we've all had things that we've done wrong. There are all things we had to repent for, right? So I'm not talking about trying to repair something. We should be willing to do that. But I'm talking about someone that is an adversary because they just want to be. Right? This is an enemy. This is the person that says, because when I thought about it, it should be the other way around. You would think a friend would be the one that would give you a kiss. And the enemy would give you the wounds. But that's not what the scripture says. <laughs> It goes the other way. It says the wounds of a friend, which means sometimes a friend is going to tell you some stuff that you may not want to hear. Be but because of the love that they have for you, they're willing to say it. All right, so I've been here. One of the <laughs> biggest fallouts I've ever had in a church that I thought, right, was from someone that told me what I needed to hear, and I ain't like it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I kept a grudge for a while. I can, count, I can count the months. It wasn't even days. It was months. But here's the thing. This is why it's important that we're in the spirit and we continue to walk after God because God wouldn't let me go. And he kept telling me, you know they're right. Go read it for yourself. Is that not what my word says? Then I don't have anything to stand on now. I don't have any leverage. It's either now I want to repent and say, I got to get it right, or I just live in unforgiveness about it. <laughs> right? So we should have friends that are willing to tell us the tough stuff. We got to get a little skin, right? 
But on the other hand, we also need to watch out for folks that are trying to be deceitful. So these are people that want to get close to you because it benefits them. <laughs> right? I'm sure we've all had folks like that. Right? It's like as soon as you get in a good position, that person pop up all of a sudden. Well, where'd you come from? Now you want to be friends. Now, are they coming to give you a kiss on the cheek because they love you? Ooh. Or are they coming to give you a kiss on the cheek like Judas did Jesus? Uh. <laughs> I understand that sometimes betrayal is usually under the DL. People don't normally just come right out and do it. They manipulate the situation. That's why it says that the deceiver will give a kiss. Because he wants you to think. Deceit is a, a very pernicious thing. Because you get people sewn in. And you rely on their reliances and their alliances with you. And then all of a sudden, here comes the knife. All right. So God is teaching us right now is, is that we got to vet folks through the spirit. Right. It's still it all goes back to being with the Holy Ghost. And understanding whether this is a person that still needs to grow more. Right. Because you could be in that situation. They don't really have malicious intent. They just not mature enough yet. That's different. I'm talking about somebody that's just. Mm -hmm, they just want to use you. Correction, giving in love by a friend is far better than insecure acts of affection. So don't go out of your way to be looking for nice things sometimes. Sometimes you open yourself up. <laughs> Amen. A godly friend should tell you what you need to hear in love. It's got to all be about love because God tells us the same way. I've never had the Holy Ghost yell at me. Not once. Every time he speaks to me, I can feel the love even if I'm getting convicted. It should be the same way. So we have to work to understand the temperance of the Holy Ghost when we are speaking to each other. Because part of the reason why we don't have so many friends in the church is because we've said things to each other, but we didn't say it in the right way. So we have to take some of it, too. Hallelujah. Y'all ready for the second? John 11, 11. All right. I'm going to read this, this one scripture, and then I'm, I'm going to talk about the whole sequence of events here. Okay? So uh, John 11, 11, it says, These things he said after he has, he has said them, our friend Lazarus sleeps. Our friend Lazarus sleeps. 
but I go that I may wake him up. So a godly friend should recognize when a person is spiritually asleep and pray God wakes them. Now, let's go back to the whole thing that's going on with Lazarus here, right? So Mary and Martha come to Jesus, right? They, they, they're up in arms. Oh, Jesus, Lazarus is sick, right? Now, there are multiple things that Jesus says in here, so I'm only going to hit some of them, but you guys really need to go back and read this. There's a ton of revelation in here what God is saying. But one of the things he says is he starts out by saying that this is not unto death, but for the glory of my father. Right. So right there, they should have had some assurance, but they still uh, Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is sick. Right. Boo hooing. So finally, Jesus says, you know what, let's let's go. But after he says that, it's two days later. Right. We all remember that. Right. It's two days later. So then he goes and actually gets to where Lazarus is. Now it's four days later. So now four days later, Lazarus is actually dead and he has been dead. Right. But Jesus says, I'm glad I wasn't here. He says, I'm glad I wasn't here because now you should know that you might believe. Believe what? Believe that God can do anything. We just talked about it in our praise song, our worship song, that God is undefeated. So he's saying if, if Lazarus didn't die, you wouldn't understand the fact that God could bring him back. So I'm glad that I wasn't here. Then they're looking at him like, what, what do you mean? He's, he's dead. He's behind the rock in the tomb. Stinking. Right? But sometimes we're uh, in a tomb. We didn't ran in there. And then we didn't close the door behind us. But one of our friends should say, Lord, I know they're behind something. Oh, and they should pray. Because Jesus said, I, I'm not even going to just go and pray. I'm going to go and wake them up. Because oh, he could have just said, I'm just going to pray for them. I'm just going to pray for your emotions. And get over it. He could have said that, but that's not what he said. He said, no, I'm going to wake him up. So our goal should be that the person gets woken up so that the glory of God can be on their lives. Because now it's not about us. It's not about recognition. Jesus never said anything about I'm doing this so you can recognize me. He said, no, so that my father may be glorified. <laughs> so a godly friend should start praying at the first acknowledgement that something's wrong in your life. Now, what's interesting about this whole thing is, is that Jesus didn't go in the tomb. They rolled the stone back and he called them out. Right. So we understand and know that when we go in this cave, God ain't coming in there. He's going to call. Now we got to be listening. Even though Lazarus was asleep. He still heard him. <laughs> Even though he was dead in his situation, he still heard the voice of God. How do I know he heard it? I heard it. I know he heard it because he got up. 
Same thing with Elijah in the Old Testament, right? After he did everything on Mount Carmel, he had all of that stuff going on. He beat, defeated all of those false prophets. Right after that, Jezebel puts a hit out on him, right? It talks about him and his him and his friend and his servant. But it says he went off by himself. He told his friend and servant, you stay here. I'm going to go over. And he went into a cave and started sulking in depression, talking about God, take me. Wait a minute. God just did this mighty thing through you, and now you're talking about killing yourself. Because he pushed the one person that was there for him away. So then he couldn't hear. So God did the same thing. He said to Lazarus, you're going to have to come out of that cave. You're going to have to come out. You're going to have to come out. So sometimes God is just going to tell us we need to come out. Awake. Doesn't matter what the situation is. God is saying awake. And sometimes he's going to send a friend. He's going to send someone that should have a connection to you. That should be in the body. Because we're going to talk about that a little later. The body is very intricate, but it talks between each other. Your body don't operate if it don't communicate. It won't do anything. You'll just be sitting there. Uh. <laughs> right? So this communication, this connectiveness, we have to have in the house. Amen? So a godly friend will pray for you that God will wake you. Because God has to do it. Amen? All right. Proverbs 18. 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A godly friend should be the most faithful person to be around. A lot of the times you can't find a friend because they don't stick to their word. They're not faithful. They want to be your friend when it's convenient. It's convenient for them. But everything has to go back to God. So if God says he's our friend, then what's his characteristics? And it says, the word says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. So it doesn't matter what we do. God still says, I'm faithful. He is not a man that he shall lie or the son of man that she will repent. If he said it, he'll do it. Right over in numbers. Right. So God says it don't matter what you do at all. I'm still faithful. We should have the same earnest about our brothers and sisters in Christ. The word faithful means to be loyal, consistent, and steadfast. Those are some amazing words. Loyal. Meaning they're going to be there. They ain't going to turn away. 
Consistent. That doesn't mean show up once a year. <sighs> this should be something that is continuous. Steadfast. Not blown over by something. Oh, gosh. Not getting in their feelings. <laughs> getting in your feelings about whatever. Now, it's amazing, at least for me. I had friends when I was out there. It didn't matter what we said. We could have gotten a physical fight in the morning. By the afternoon, we good, we good. Yeah, all right, let's go. That, that was actually the norm, to be honest. Right, so we didn't got to the point that we didn't throw blows at each other. But when it was all said and done, oh, yeah, you my boy, yeah, all right, all right. We good, we good, right? You know, because we boys, we ain't going to say we forgive you. We ain't going to go that far, right? But we, we understood intuitively what that meant, right? We, we, we good? We, all right, yeah, all right, let's go, right? But it's amazing. Ooh. But now we come in, and now we have a different mentality. Oh, well, that person said something. Well, Yes, maybe that person shouldn't have said it that way, but could you not have taken it that way as well? It goes both ways. But you got some of the biggest grudges and things in the church. But you can reconcile in the world, but now you got the father of glory, but you can't reconcile. Makes no sense. That means we haven't submitted enough. So now the question is, is that now you got to ask, why does that happen? Because if you can reconcile out there, you ain't even had a spirit. You come in here now, you have the spirit, but now you can't. So now you got to ask yourself, what is really driving that? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. So this is where it, the Bible talks about over in Ephesians 4, that, that you don't give a foothold to the enemy. It's a test. But the question is, are you going to close the foothold or are you going to leave it open? Because your flesh is going to say, you should get mad about that. Why are they talking to you like that? Why do they have to say it like that? Why they had to bring pasta into it? Right? All of this stuff. And all he's doing is throwing out the bait. Go ahead, take it, take it, take it, take it. Get, get, get mad, get mad, get upset about it. <laughs> and it's unfortunate, but some folks have. But that's why we have to be buffered by the Holy Ghost. Because we got to see that. Now, nah, I'm closing that. Let's, let's just go ahead and get it right and be done with it. But it was easy. Seems like it was easier out there, right? Because the, you weren't under attack. It didn't matter because you weren't with Jesus anyway. It didn't matter if out there. And here it matters because now how are you going to be the body but you got a grudge? How are you going to pray effectively for someone but you don't like them? Right? And I'm going to say this too. We shouldn't be doing anything about who we like anyway. 
I don't see one time in the word it talks about because you should pray because you like somebody. Everything in God is about love, not like. Yeah, there may be some folks in the church that you don't care for as much. That is possible. But your love for them, because we're all in the body, should supersede it. And when you don't do that, now the division is starting. Because Psalms 133, what? The anointing runs from the head down. How good and pleasant it is when brothers. We got to understand that we're some of the stuff God wants to do is because we're not right. We're blocking it because we got all of this stuff in our hearts. I had, uh, I, I will say, this is the most loving church I've ever been in. And I will say, that initially, I was like, God, is this really what you want to? Because I'm like, I don't necessarily. But then I had to listen to God. God says, we need to hear it. So I don't know. Doesn't matter. All I'm going to do is be obedient. But what I think I heard God say is, he said, yeah, it is good here, but it can be better. God, there's always better in God. God says, I want to do more in C3 right now. We can be better. Hallelujah. The last one, Matthew 22. We're going to read verses 10, verses 10 through 12, and then we'll talk about this, and then I'll start wrapping up. And it says, so this is the wedding feast, the parable of the wedding feast, all right? It says, so those servants went out to the highways and gathered together whom they found, both Bad and good. No, notice that they went out and got bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man who did not have on the wedding garments. And so he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without changing your wedding garments? So we got we to gotta see this. So a godly friend should sense when God needs a greater change in you. So let me put some context around the, the parable, right? So the king sends out invitations, right? And when the people go out, some of the people don't receive the people that got the invitations. And they start killing them and doing all these things. And the king gets mad. And he says, well, don't go get those folks no more. Go get some other ones. Now, at the time, I'm paraphrasing, right? But when he goes, at the time when you got invited to an event like this, 
they would give you the clothes to wear. So when he gets there, all of these new people, the good and the bad, because we just read that, they come in. Now, everybody else is in wedding garments. But there's this one person that the king calls friend, and he doesn't have any on. And he says, how, how, did, how did you get in here and you didn't change? And unfortunately, God is asking some of us that. How, how did you get this far and you didn't change any? So now the king sensed that this guy should have been changed, but he wasn't. He didn't have on what he was supposed to have on. So you. <laughs> so sometimes now we have to be able to pull on each other and say, God wants to do a different thing. He wants to go higher in us. We need to change this. We need to get this right. But it's a godly friend that would tell you because he asked the question. Now, here's the thing about that friend. So we talked about those two friends at the beginning, right? This friend is the first one. It's the comrade. It's the heteros. So he's saying this friend ain't somebody that I have a deep relationship with. He's just a somebody that's around me at the present time. And I don't want Jesus to be saying that to me. That we in here, but I ain't really close to you. You just a comrade. Because that's the equivalent of what he just said to him. We want to be the other friend, Philos. Gosh. So sometimes you can get into places, but you really aren't a part of it. Because that guy was in there, but he wasn't a part of it because he didn't change at all. He just walked in. It's the same way when folks come in and they get saved. They should be changing, not staying the same. If they come in and they stay the same, then they are just a hitoros. Not a philos. All right, I got, I got, one, more, I got one more scripture here. I don't want to read to you. Y'all okay? <laughs> Over in Ephesians chapter 4. Because I want to talk about the body real quick, and then I'm going to wrap up. So Ephesians chapter 4, 15 and 16, it says, But speaking in truth and love may grow up in all things in him who is the head, Christ. So it's talking about the body. Christ is the head. From whom the whole body joined and knit together. Joined and knit. So that means you're touching. Together by every joint supplying, according to the effective working by which every part does it share. Every part does it share. We, we got to see the keys in here. So we're touching, we're joint and knit together, and we should supply with the other needs. When we do that, it causes the body to be edified and grow. So we got to be connected so God can grow us. In this, um, edifying ourselves in love. So there's the, there's the wrapping. There's the bow. In love. So we should be able 
to see each other and say, hey, we need to get this right. We need to grow to another level. God wants to do something here, which means we all should be praying. We should all be seeking because then we're the body because we're getting the signal from the head. All right. So God showed me this. Right. So I, I thought about who, who in here like to exercise. <laughs> uh, now come on now. Uh, all right, all right. But <laughs> so, so for those that like to exercise, and for those that may not like it as much, let's just say we're going on a run. Oh, Lord, we ain't even got into it. Y'all talking about you're tired. Dang. All right. A, a, a light jog. I'll meet you halfway. All right, so we're going on this run. Oh, light jog or brisk walk. Hey, man. So as, as you start to do this brisk walk, golly, there are three main things that happen in your body. Right? There's a lot going on, but there are three things that are very vital. One is about your heart, one is about your lungs, and one is about your sweat glands. You need all of them. Right? Because you need your heart to pump more blood so that you get more oxygen as you're running. So you don't, <laughs> yeah, right? So we're going to be, <laughs> right? You need your lungs to be able to intake more because they tell you to run so that your lungs can expand more and they can grab more oxygen. And then you need the sweat glands because if you get too hot, you're going to pass out. Right? So your sweat glands is your body's response to you getting too hot. I need to generate some water so they can cool you down. Now, as it relates to the body, God, he, he said to me, what happens if you start running? Your heart gets a signal from the brain or Christ, the head. Oh, I'm running. Okay. Heart, you need to pump more. Heart says, okay, lungs. You need to expand more. But then when you get to the sweat glands, the sweat glands say, but I don't like you. I'm not going to sweat. <laughs> oh, my. Well, uh, well, well. Right? The signal is knocking on the door, but the operator ain't listening. Well. Oh, gosh. So... In the spirit, God is saying, I need this stuff. I need this because I want to take my body to a new level, right? When you exercise, you, oh gosh, you grow, you get bigger, you get stronger, you get more endurance. But if you got part of the body saying, no, nah, I don't want to do that because I don't like them. I don't like the vessel it came from. I don't want to do it. It's not the right time. 
I'm not prepared. I'm too weak. What you need me for? <laughs> You're going to have a problem. And it's unfortunate. Because sometimes that's what's happening. We talk about in here specifically that everybody has a part to play. That's just not a saying. If we're going to be the body, we got to be it. And if love is flowing from the Father, then we ought to be able to flow in that love and be friends. You want God to be your friend? Oh, God. There's too many of us. And sometimes we just don't want to open our hearts. I know it's hard sometimes. But God is saying, that's what I'm here for. To operate as the body, we have to communicate. We have to have the signals in the spirit. We have to be unified, connected. This is not just something he just put together. And it's a sad affair that we can all be in here Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, and we're not even friends with each other. God says he's coming back from one bride without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Saints, I truly believe he's saying we got to be friends. He calls us up. He wouldn't call us anything that he wouldn't expect us to walk in. We got the master of glory that calls us friends. But we would take that from somebody else. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805 West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina, 28079, or on the web, c3churchnc.org, or on facebook.com forward slash C3 Indian Trail, NC 